The following podcast contains alcohol-enhanced conversations about alcohol, as well as a potential for discussions about other topics of dubious, disturbing, possibly offensive, but usually hilarious interest. The opinions stated herein are solely of the person stating them, and any endorsement of these opinions by any other party is not implied. Foul language is likely, but intolerant viewpoints are not. Listener intoxication is advised. Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of Whiskey Tangent. I'm Scott. I'm Ed. And today we're going to leave behind American whiskey and jump over the pond, as they say, <laughs> the Atlantic Ocean to uh, Ireland and talk about two Irish whiskeys, one of which you've definitely heard of and the other one, if you haven't, you should. And Ed is going to tell us which whiskeys we have today. Yes, Scott, I will. First of all, an, an interesting trivia fact, Ireland is not a country, but an island. Mm. Shared by two countries, mm. the Republic of North Ireland and I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> and Stop the Republic, no, no, the Republic of Ireland. Right. No, but I feel like it's two different things. It's North Ireland. It, I, that's what it is. It's Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Right. You've been watching CPG Grey, haven't you? I have. And um, <laughs> if you haven't watched CPG Grey, you should on YouTube because C- he's amazing. CPG, yeah. CBP. CPG Gray comes up with great six, seven-minute podcasts. I mean, YouTube channels, I'm sorry. Videos. That videos that really inform in a very brief, and it's just amazing, like, what you can get from seven minutes of watching him. Yeah, he has an interesting voice, too. Like, the way he speaks, the way he uh, describes things. Right. And, and his, his research is, is it's amazing. It's, what else is amazing is how many edits I've caused Scott to do in the first three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm keeping it all. All of it. It's all, gold. All the ugliness. It's as so, gold as the whiskey that we're drinking. So the whiskeys that we're going to do today, Irish whiskeys, yum, some of my favorite. We told the story a few podcasts ago, the first time that we really had a foray into Irish whiskey as a, as far as education, if you will, is we were at the Anglesey Pub down in Wildwood. Uh, yes. yes. And we were starting our night there. So we had a couple turkey clubs and we uh, ordered a couple of Jameson's, uh, which is one of the whiskeys we're going to talk about tonight. But we were out there and we ordered Jameson's and the guy's like, oh, you like Irish whiskeys? And he said, well, let me let me try a few. And we tried Tullamore Dew that night. We tried Bushmills that night. And we tried Powers Irish whiskey that night. And Powers is the other whiskey that we're going to focus on tonight because he said this is the one that for the money, because it's not, you know, like a Middleton Rare, which is like upwards of $200 a bottle. It's a very affordable whiskey. He goes, it's like the one that's most slept on in uh, the Irish whiskey world, especially at that level. Right. It's like a hidden gem and in his favorite, I think it was. Right. It said it was his favorite. So that's the first time that Scott and I enjoyed Powers Irish whiskey. And uh, we thought we'd put it against Jameson, which is the most popular Irish whiskey by far. And then Powers, one that most people do not know and yet is very, very affordable for what it gives you. You agree, Scott? Yeah. So uh, Jameson is what we said, 30, 31. It varies. I mean, I've seen it as high as 34, 35 Mm. in some places. 
places and that's a, you know it, it it seems to rank above the other two standard ones which is Bushmills and uh, Tullamore Dew right which tend to be about three or four dollars below Jameson's like some rite of passage oh they're cheaper than Jameson's yes they are oh. and Jameson's um, Black Barrel which is something I actually like even better than regular Jameson is about 38 39 oh. and they've come out recently with something called Cask Strength Jameson aged in different ones I think in a port wine barrel yeah and um, Jameson has a, has a ton just being in the liquor store today buying the powers I saw the Jameson uh, and there's like I don't know seven different types of Jameson now right and uh, actually last week I was able to enjoy a Jameson 18 year which is far different than the one we're going to be, yeah, be doing today the, the Jameson that we have today is the regular basic it's our flagship level. it's our flagship and brand it's aged three years so that's right. a significant difference you have to be aged at least three years to be an Irish whiskey yeah we were talking about how Jameson's like the black album of uh, Irish whiskeys, like Metallica's album. It became so popular, people just kind of like, you know, shit on it now. And the reality is, it still has a lot of character for an Irish whiskey. The problem is, when you're doing it with a pickleback shot, you know, you're doing right. a shot of pickle juice with it, it kind of waters down the quality that it has. It's become a very quick shot. And we even talked about how in the city, you can get a PBR and a shot of Jameson for $6. So, right. like anything that's overly popular, it's easy to just kind of, you know... It's easy to dismiss it exactly and in fact i did uh dismiss it until today because before this i never sipped jameson on the rocks before it was always like a shot like hey let's do a shot of jameson and then have some beers (laughs) (laughs) you know right if you actually take the time to pour it on the rocks and and sip it like a real whiskey it holds up Right. When I drink Irish whiskey, I like a couple of just regular cubes, smaller cubes. I like them to melt a little bit. I like a little bit of the infusion of the water because I feel like it opens up the flavor, which if you are ever drinking scotch whiskey, and like I said, Scott and I don't care for scotch whiskey that much. I mean, we believe that maybe as we approach 60, we'll suddenly discover a love of Scotch whiskey. Everyone keeps telling <laughs> oh us. Oh, my God. We have to do this podcast for 10 years. I know. Follow us along on our journey towards Scotch. <laughs> we'll be doing it from the... Today, we had Jello at the home and Geritol. Is it a whiskey? If you drink enough of it. Uh, if you mix it with vodka, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> VD at the home. Is it still a problem? Look, Gabe's here. He has no teeth and can't talk, but... That's now. What about the future? Oh, sorry. Sorry, Gabe. He knocked out all his teeth in honor of being a Flyer fan. Oh, He's gosh. gritty. He's gritty. Yeah, he was just talking to me last night about how uh, they didn't make it. As you predicted <laughs> on September 12th of last season. The Flyers <clears throat> are the Flyers. I love them, but they haven't won a championship since I was six years old, so we'll uh, move on. You know, they're, they're worse than the Sixers. Mm, Sixers are exciting. I mean, they're up and coming. They're not there yet, but... You know, every five years, the Sixers get exciting, but they never go anywhere. Mm, Can't argue with that. Yeah. I mean, really, the Phillies... And the Eagles, I mean, the Eagles won a Super Bowl two years ago, and the Phillies now have the one of the best players in baseball. They paid a lot for him, but yeah, he's here now. Well, hitting home runs. Definitely, the Phillies got good really quick. All our, you know, millions of ardent fans of the Whiskey Tangent podcast know <laughs> that we're based right outside of Philadelphia, sevens. South Jersey. We have sevens of fans. We got all sevens of you. <laughs> and, uh, so we will occasionally refer to local sports going yeah, on just because we, we it's can't relevant help it. to us. We can't help it. Became an Eagles fan when I was 10 years yeah, old. Yeah. So, you know, it's part of it's my how, DNA it's, now. It's, and, you know, we tend 
to tie whiskey in with the sports we watch because when we're watching sports, that's when we like to enjoy uh, different whiskeys. That us. is very true. And believe it or not, sometimes an Irish whiskey is what we'll use on an Eagle Sunday because we might be at a remote location. We're going to have to drive later. It has a little less proof than the bourbons we like to drink. Yeah, most are, most are bottled at uh, 80 proof. Believe it or not, it does make a difference. If you're having three drinks mm-hmm. over the course of a game, that's yeah. not a lot of drinks. But if they're 92 proof over 80, it makes a difference. <laughs> Definitely. You might be able to sneak a fourth drink in, Scott, <laughs> if it's only 80 proof. That's and, true. You got four know, Jamesons. Yeah, well, you might hit overtime. Yeah. What if that, you know, if you're right. in overtime right. and you're drinking Irish whiskey, well then, hey, I say have a fourth. It's been three hours. You're fine. <laughs> Especially if you're, you know, three bills like me. Uh, we so have, We have Uber. So it's fine. And there's always Uber. Uber and, and Lyft. Honestly, yeah. it's certainly not worth driving intoxicated. There's nothing that, that's worth that because forget the fact that you could hurt yourself or someone else. Just the, the $10,000 it's going to cost you. Yeah, and you won't be able to We've drive. We've all had and friends I'm do sure. it. We've all yeah. had friends do it. Yeah, definitely. It's, and you know, you know they... It's a thing. You have so many options nowadays. So many options. Now that, I mean, it's like, what, what if it's a $40 Uber? Oh, $40. Is that better than 10 grand? I'd say yes. Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget, if you get a DUI, every single time you're pulled over the rest of your life, you get the ticket. Mm-hmm. They write the ticket every time for you. It's like a lifetime achievement award for being a dumbass. <laughs> they never get you off. You're that guy that got a DUI, so to hell with you. Here's your stop sign ticket. <laughs> I've been pulled over about seven times in the last three years. And got one delaying traffic ticket, which isn't even a real tip. Yeah, and then tell them why you got pulled over uh, most recently. Oh, most recently because I didn't have a headlight. Uh, did you fix that yet? I did. Oh, good. But, Jesus. But I will say... We had a cop follow us to a bar. Yes. And only because he got another call. <laughs> did he it, not stop you? I will say that that, is, that was a nightmare, being slightly buzzed once or twice. You know, I, I don't ever drive drunk, but you don't want to deal with the police even if you had two drinks. Right. Because no. you feel like it's going to be a whole thing. Sure. Because he's going to smell alcohol in your breath and get out been, of the car. And, and you've been drinking. I'm like, two. And like, oh, of course, two. Everybody says two. But that's legit what I drink when I'm out. I'm not going to have more than that if I'm out because I don't want to get a DUI. Right. So I'm like, unless, of course, I'm an Eagles game and it's not in overtime, then it's three. But if it's overtime, that is four. It's very complicated. I hope you're taking notes at yeah, home. This is the calculus of whiskey. We're, we're going to write a book. It'll, right. it'll be published in uh, all uh, major scientific journals. Right. Yeah. Stay safe, but yeah. have fun. It's it's like there's a whole equation to it. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's like whiskey divided by time equals the square root of pi. So. So. Um, powers. How do you like? Uh, well, first of all. What are the, we drinking right now? The Jameson was age three years, like we said. The powers is age seven years, which. You can definitely tell there's a more maturity Wait, to the was powers. Wait, was it seven or five to six? Oh. So this was a, this is the thing. Trying yes, to find out right. how Correct. long Powers has aged. I saw one that said seven, and it was actually someone who worked for the company that owns Powers. But online, it said five to six years. So uh, let's go with five to seven. Then. Right. Yeah. But twi- it's very safe to say it has aged twice as long as Jameson. Yes. And it shows. I Absolutely. will say that. Jameson yes. is very sweet. It's not as sweet to say something like Bushmills. Right. Uh, Bushmills, we uh, sampled to get to prime the pumps, as we like to say in the whiskey tangent industry. And honestly, Bushmills taste like you put sugar and water and then- Whiskey. Well, immediately. Right. Like, all you taste is sweet, and then you taste other flavors, and then it kind of just dissipates. The Bushmills, um, just so you know, we started out with Bushmills, and it's okay to talk about, we're not. We're probably never going to highlight Bushmills on a show. It's very cheap. Uh, it's been around a very long time. There's nothing wrong with Bushmills, and I think it lends itself to mixing. If Any drinks that call for a mixing Irish whiskey? I would say so. I mean, it would probably make a great old-fashioned, because you want that right. sweetness to it. If you're trying to make more of a fruity drinks from, from Irish whiskey, even like a, a, a Irish 
whiskey and ginger ale. I think it lends itself to maybe a cranberry. But it's, first of all, very yellow. While yeah. Jameson and Powers tend to be more of an amber, a deep, rich amber color. Yeah, Bushmills is like the color of like light honey. Yes. And oh. very sweet, 80 proof. Or or a dark urine, if that's the way you want oh, to go. Yeah, it, like you need more water if that's your urine. But I would concede drinking it straight up after a dinner, maybe. It's when you want like a little dessert thing. Are you talking about Bushmills now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But now the one we're talking about today, Jameson's and, and Powers. We'll talk about Jameson first. Yeah, also very sweet when you when you first taste right, it. But far, I'm glad we started with Bushmills because it's far less sweet than Bushmills. Yeah. Um, it is sweet as Irish whiskey tends to be because it's made of what? Uh, malted and unmalted barley. Right. Actually, the unmalted gives it its green character. It, it's actual the barley flavor okay. uh, of Irish whiskey. It's the malted version uh, of the barley that uh, has the sweetness to it. You know what? Maybe this would be a good time to take us through the history of the Irish whiskeys that we're looking at of why the barley and the malted barley and, and all that comes to be. Because it's the difference between why scotch tastes like scotch and Irish whiskey tastes like Irish whiskey. They're similar, but they're distinctly different. And maybe you can tell us why. Sure. I mean, the history of Irish whiskey is basically the history of whiskey itself. Ooh. Beginning in Ireland, possibly as far back as 1000 AD, when monks returning from the Mediterranean countries modified the technique of distilling perfumes into creating a drinkable spirit. The word whiskey itself comes from, and I'm going to say this incorrectly because it's Gaelic, whiskey beta. This is probably so <laughs> fucking wrong. And uh, which is translated from the Latin of uh, aqua vitae. Which means the water of life. Water of life. Aqua um, vitae. Yeah. I've never agreed with Latin more. <laughs> uh, and that's how people referred to the distilled spirits in uh, the Middle Ages uh, as aqua vitae. Ah. So that was the, um, the Gaelic translation. However, it was quite unlike modern whiskey in that it was not aged and it was instead infused with like aromatic herbs, uh, sort of similar to how gin is today. Mm, okay. Whiskey's first mention and written mention in any form in Ireland dates to 1405. And its first official mention in government documents was in an act passed by English Parliament in 1556. Now, I should mention that, of course, people were making whiskey in Scotland around this time. Sure. It's just that the um, the records of such uh, distillations, it's really lost to history. Like things weren't written down, you know, fires, famines, floods, you know. And they actually were making yards. whiskeys in England at this time. But the last English distillery, to my knowledge, closed around 1905, which is why today we don't hear about it. Because yeah. England's kind of known for its gin. Right. It's kind of interesting how um, the sort of England sort of gave up on whiskey. Yeah, just started making gin. I mean, really good gins. Most, I mean. Uh, gin's easier to make. It, right. You know, you it's just the distillate with uh, aromatic herbs, and you don't have to age it. So what else did Parliament have to say, Scott? Oh, Parli <laughs> Parliament was messing with whiskey in Ireland forever, and uh, that's a lot of the problem. In 1608, the British Crown began issuing licenses to various landowners for making whiskey, okay. and it was not until later in 1661 that it began to be taxed, and then the trouble began. Tax always brings trouble. Yep. It's taxing. It's, it's the same. Uh, like, I read a little bit about the Scotland, uh, Scotch, and taxing had an effect on that whiskey production. And, of course, in America, it did too. And we had a whole whiskey rebellion in America o over the taxation. We had colonists who lived out in the frontier. They couldn't really bring their corn to, to a market. So they would distill it into whiskey and transport the barrels. And they got taxed more for that than people who grew corn. And it created a whole thing. 
Right. But wasn't that in uh, uh, George Washington's first Yeah, presidency? Washington had to actually yeah. shut that down. It's probably the only unpopular thing he ever did. He was right. an incredibly popular person. He was. So um, back to 1661, after it was taxed in Ireland by the uh, British crown, the problem was that they made the registering for the tax voluntary mm. because their power was limited to a very small area around Dublin known as the Pale. Right. So it'd be like, hey, Americans, listen, just we want you to send us 15% of whatever you made or 20%. You decide. Right. It's sort of like when bands uh, put their music free on their website and they right. say, hey, just pay whatever you want. Right. That's basically what the tax was in 1661. Uh, sure. So the pale was a small area around Dublin, sort of a fenced-in ditch that had been dug around the county surrounding the city, which is, in fact, the origin of the phrase beyond the pale, which means doing something completely out of bounds of normal behavior because the countryside was considered uncivilized in England if it was beyond the pale. Interesting. Yeah. Find the fact that they dug a ditch around the entire city of Dublin interesting. That is also interesting. Who had that job? That, uh, whoever whoever had that job in 1661 was like, my job sucks. Yeah, yeah. Well, there were a lot of jobs back then that probably sucked. Fast forward about 100 years to 1761, and the taxation was switched from being voluntary to being compulsory, which is the first act of what I'm calling the four acts of whiskey consequence. Four acts of whiskey consequence issued by British Parliament. Yeah. So I- Pricks. Sorry. So I, I did I did write this up. So if it seems like I'm reading something, I am. What, I, I what, wrote do you, this. what do you mean you wrote this? I, I wrote this. You don't. What do you mean you wrote it? I, I wrote this. I wrote a, basically a research paper on Irish whiskey. What? I thought you downloaded this from Google or something. <laughs> no. Holy shit, you wrote all that? Yeah, I wrote all this. Bro, I am so more impressed with you right now than I was like <laughs> 10 seconds ago. Well, I was an English major. I, I wrote lots of fucking papers. Like, Dude, this is so professional over there. Like, I thought you just seriously got this off of, like, Wikipedia. Well, I, I, I had a number of sources, and I you know, distilled the information. Wow. I distilled <laughs> the information. Okay, so the four acts of whiskey consequence. I'm going to pay attention a hell of a lot more now that I know you wrote it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Issued by British Parliament. Excuse me, everybody out there, Scott wrote this. Please pay attention to this. <laughs> he put effort in. <laughs> Issued by British Parliament in the 18th century, all of which had unintended side effects and changed the course of of whiskey history. Not only did it create the distinctive character of what we know today as Irish whiskey, but it also caused a deep divide between legal and illegal whiskey, with Parliament whiskey, in the vernacular at the time, being the legal whiskey, and Poutine being the illegal whiskey, which is very similar to the American raw spirit that we know as moonshine. Right. And you can find this today. It's actually sold. We had some about two weeks ago at the Whiskey Lounge over at the local of Mount Holly. Yeah, we did. I actually liked it a lot. I mean, it's a clear spirit. It doesn't, it's not brown at all. No, very it's not, clear. Because it's not aged. No. It tasted very nice. It was more fiery than normal, but it wasn't uncomfortably hot. Yeah. When you drank it, it wasn't burning all the way down. And we, uh, we, yeah, we enjoyed it. So the second act of Whiskey Consequence occurred in uh, 1759 after whiskey's popularity exploded during the population growth that happened in Ireland. They were doing it. Yeah, they were doing it. And uh, imported spirits started falling out of favor. So as a consequence, to keep up with the demand, Irish whiskeys were making whiskey with basically whatever grains and herbal infusions they could get their hands on and taking shortcuts to the finished product. And that led to some mighty bad whiskey. Blindness. <laughs> yeah, that wormwood and all that shit. Yeah, bad stuff. Yeah. So concerned, of, uh, as Parliament would be, uh, that the whiskey's reputation would suffer along with their tax revenues. Uh, they passed a set of requirements prohibiting distillers from making whiskey with any other ingredients than malt, grain, potatoes, or sugar, which I yeah. think is still in effect today. 
The third act of whiskey consequence came 20 years later as whiskey demand continued to grow at least partially because of the second act with the better whiskey that it was producing. Legal distillers began underreporting their output so they could avoid the taxes from the first act. And of course, illegal ones were paying no tax. So Parliament again stepped in, reforming how the taxes were calculated in the first place. Hmm. So instead of taxing volume of the reported output, which could be faked, they could just say, oh, we only produced this amount. They began taxing on the potential output based on the number and the capacity of the stills that each operation had. All right. So basically, depending on how big your operation was, they guessed how much you should produce and taxed you ahead of time on that. Exactly. Okay, that sounds like some serious yeah. parliament bullshit. Well, it was, and it was an unmitigated disaster because it caused smaller and inefficient operations to either go underground or close entirely, and it concentrated the whiskey distillation to far fewer large distillers in just the large urban areas. Well, how many distillers closed? Well, when the act was passed, there were over 1,200 registered distilleries. Think about that. Yeah, it's delicious. In a small island like Ireland, there were 1,200. Hundred distilleries. Mm. Eleven years later, there were like two hundred left. Wow, like that's, it, a, that's a thousand uh, close. That's interesting. And it, that was what years? That was seventeen uh, seventies and eighties. While we're fighting the Revolutionary War against England, yeah. England has time to piss on Ireland about its it, taxation. They probably wanted more money for the war yeah. against us. Uh, you know, and maybe. so they probably like, so we actually are to blame for a thousand distilleries going under. <laughs> yeah, we're also to blame for Irish whiskey's sharp decline in the twentieth century. But I'm getting. Right, we'll get to that. In just a second. In the early 1800s, Parliament learned from their mistakes, and they passed a series of laws that make whiskey distillation much more attractive, less restricted, and taxed in a more efficient and business-friendly way. And all children above 12 had to drink whiskey every day. Right? <laughs> Wasn't that part of it? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Or no? No. Oh. No. All right. Never mind. That was Al- not true. Although... Maybe they did. I mean, there's no laws. Well, I have no record of that. Well, there's also no laws against uh, age of drinking, right? In Europe? I mean, at the time. Oh, no, no, at the time. Right. Right. So, right, kids could have been drinking uh, Irish whiskey in Ireland. They could have been. They could have been. (laughs) Just so it's clear, we're not suggesting you should if you're a child. No. Unless you live in Guatemala and you're making bad Girl Scout cookies. They don't don't make that's, that's a false. They don't live. <laughs> the Guatemalan children do not make Girl Scout cookies. But, you know, you're paid so little that you probably can't afford it anyway. It'd be interesting to know how many bottles of Irish whiskey actually make it into Guatemala. That's wow. a whole other podcast. Scott and I will be flying to Guatemala next week to search for what Irish whiskey is. And make. we will be surveying the uh, 12 or 13 um, Girl Scout cookie factories that they have there. And I will be drinking Irish whiskey at the top of the Temple of the Jaguar in the Mayan ruined city of Tikal. Ooh, very nice. Mm. Drop some knowledge on us yeah. right there. Okay, so um, Parliament in the 1800s, as I said, learned from their mistakes, and they passed a bunch of laws that made it more attractive. So the illegal trade dropped precipitously, and Dublin became the hub of the industry with the big four distilleries dominating. And those big four distilleries are George Rowe, John Jameson, Mm. Jameson, Mm -hmm. William Jameson, and John Powers. And this is at the beginning of the 19th century then? Yes. And for everybody out there, just in case you don't realize, whatever the century is, the numbers are one below it. It's the 19th century is the 1800s. The 21st century is what we're in right now, which is 2000s. 2000s. Correct. The 15th century would be the 1400s. Okay, please everyone get this right because it drives me crazy. 
<laughs> well, you're a history teacher, so correct. I, I see it would. The yeah. kids don't get it. They just stare at me like, uh, isn't 18th century the 1800s? No. 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 So what you have to do is you have to go back to say, oh, the say first century. think about what the first century was. Which was, it was zero, zero to 99. Exactly. And then, then I think it clues kids in. They might yeah, but they don't do well about the zero either. Like anything well, on the other side of the yeah. zero freaks them out. Like if I say what's five hundred like BC, oh, that's true. They're like, uh, is it five hundred years ago? Like, no. Hashtag because Jesus. Is it fifteen hundred years ago? No, it's twenty five hundred. They just stare at me like they look at each other like I'm wrong. Like oh, he's crazy. I'm not crazy. It's a number line. We taught you number lines in first grade. Yeah, don't get me started. Go ahead, Damn move on. Okay. <laughs> So of the four distilleries that were dominating at the time, uh, right. the chief output of the of them was uh, called a single or pure pot still whiskey, which is what's still made today. Correct. And it's made from the mix of malted and unmalted barley, as opposed to what a single malt, which is all malted barley. Right, which is when you're talking about your single malt scotches. Correct. That's why they taste like Irish whiskey in the beginning, but finish completely different is because they're all malted barley. It's the unmalted barley that gives the Irish whiskey its like lighter finish. Yeah, and and here's and sweetness. And here's the reason for that. The fourth and final act of whiskey consequence was a tax in 1785 on malt. So to save on taxes, what the major distillers did was use far less malted barley and use unmalted barley to make up the difference, thereby creating the distinctive flavor of most Irish whiskeys that we have today. Beautiful. So just to make clear what a malted versus unmalted is, so the unmalted is just the just the grain itself. Malted means it was soaked in water to the point where it started to germinate, and then it was halted and dried out. When they do that, there are enzymes that are created that convert the starches in the barley to sugars that are then available for the yeast to convert into alcohol. Wow. That was malted a lot barley. right there. Like, that that is a lot. I mean, it's really all chemistry. I mean, it is, right. Yeah. I don't think I ever thought that deeply into it. I mean, malted barley is used in American whiskeys. Uh, it it kind of kickstarts yeah, the process. Yeah, like, like mostly in Most the, the, like 5%. 4, 4 or 5%. Yeah, right? but, but it makes those sugars available because of the enzymes. So the decline in Irish whiskey in the 20th century was very sharp. And it owed itself to a number of factors. Number one, the introduction of the coffee still, spelled C-O-F-F-E-Y could produce whiskey in larger quantities than had ever been created before, but with the trade-off that the uh, the taste was not as complex. Two was the potato famine, which um, Ed has just informed me what happened in 1845. The consequence of that was they lifted the ban on grains from other countries, in particular America and its corn, which was then used to create whiskey that they blended with the coffee still whiskey to improve the taste. And that became very popular in Britain. So as opposed to the traditional Irish whiskey, British people started drinking this new blended whiskey. The third one was the surge in popularity of scotch. So scotch was coming down from the north in vast quantities. The fourth one was the American prohibition itself. Mm. So when that came along, it removed the second biggest Irish whiskey market basically overnight. And then the fifth one was Ireland was going through a long period of political strife. They had an independence war with Britain that precipitated a civil war uh, within Ireland, creating mm. two separate countries, as Ed alluded to before, Northern Ireland and Regular Ireland. Um, regular whatever, Ireland. Regular <laughs> Ireland, whatever they call it. And then, most uh, importantly, a trade war with Britain, which cut off the Irish whiskey exports to the entire rest of the British Empire. And at that time, it would have included India, Jamaica, uh, Australia, Canada, African countries, the Caribbean. Right. There I was mean, a saying that the uh, the sun never set on the British Empire when it was in its heyday, and it's very true. And so Ireland lost that entire market 
right. for their Irish whiskey. Now, so, the gangsters in America tried to sneak as much Irish whiskey in as they could, but they did, and the it problem, certainly was a lot less than they were selling the year before. By the time uh, the sixties, the nineteen sixties came along, there were only three distillers remaining in Ireland. Wow. Today, though, like all whiskey everywhere, there's a resurgence, and uh, the good news is, as of two thousand seventeen, there were eighteen distilleries in operation in Ireland with another 16 planned. Yeah. And you know, what's shocking is, um, Jamerson's moved about 6.5 million cases of whiskey, over 31 million bottles. Wow. And that's an increase of 13% from just a few years ago. Yeah. So for a known flooded brand like Jameson to be able to increase market share or sales, I should say at least by 13% in one year shows you what type of an upsurge we're having in whiskeys, particularly Irish whiskey also, but but whiskeys in general. 31 million, what was that, what was that bottles? 31 million bottles approximately Jesus. of Jameson a year compared to about 3 million bottles of Powers. So Powers that's, is that's just 10% as much of the market as that, Jameson, and yet they're they're distilled in the exact same place. Right. They're sort of brothers now. They, they are absolutely brothers. Yeah. So the three distilleries that were left after that were Powers, Jameson, and another one that joined together to create something called the Irish Distillers um, that was then bought out by Pinot Ricard. Right. Pinot Ricard is, I believe, the second, or forgive me, Pinot Ricard, if you're the first, but I think you're the second largest liquor distributor in the world. They own such brands as Jameson, Powers, mm-hmm. and of course, um, Middleton, very rare. So I was out at our favorite whiskey lounge, and they had a special, because of St. Patty's Day, a top-level Irish whiskey flight. And it was... Um, I wasn't there again. Sorry. I mean, Scott's a very busy <laughs> man, and I live closer to the whiskey lounge than him, so... Yeah, I wish it was so close to me. Everything is close to me here, but except that it's 20 minutes away but i understand <laughs> so you're throwing shade on me right now it's I'm just, 20 minutes I, away bro it's 20 you minutes just away make it so they anyway had, i'm sorry go ahead for for 0.75 ounces though no, I, I gotta tell you i think i had a little friendly bartender pour because as you know i'm a member of the whiskey lounge is this anders uh i don't want to put names why, why not adrian oh, was it adrian i wouldn't i'm not gonna say it was adrian but anyway so we had four Irish whiskeys on the flight, of which were 0.75 ounces officially. More like an ounce. So Okay, so four one-ounce pours of Irish right. whiskey. So we had a Red Breast 12-year. Okay. The Yellow Spot 12-year. Jameson 18, Middleton, very rare. Now, the Middleton very rare is the Bentley of Irish whiskeys, in my opinion. It's about $200 a bottle. Um, it's a blend of between 12 and 20-year whiskeys. Now, most of the thing that we found that was interesting is most... Irish whiskeys today are aged in either American oak bottles or in the Barrels. Powers case. Barrels. What did I say? Bottles. Damn it. The Amer- <laughs> it's okay. Most okay. Irish whiskeys today are aged in American oak barrels or in the case of Powers Irish whiskey, used bourbon barrels. Mm, so the That's middle- why we like Powers better. Probably. <laughs> so to give a perspective – that you know, and we talked about treating yourself. So I was laughing with with Scott that you know I hate spending forty dollars for a whole bottle of whiskey, but yet here I am spending it for less than four ounces of whiskey. But it was a chance to taste a little bit of a venture into the upper reaches of Irish whiskey, which I really never tried all those. So yeah, yeah, right. You're you're trading basically right. there a familiarity with experience. I didn't know there was a Jameson eighteen, and it's 
definitely completely different product than the regular three year Jameson. I mean, as you can imagine, it's 15 years older. Well, it's funny because uh, earlier you were referring to Jameson as the Jack Daniels of whiskey. Mm. And it reminds me that- Of Irish whiskey. Of Irish whiskey. Right. And you, it reminds me of how you compared Jack Daniels to it, the single, single barrels barrel. right. that you've yes. tasted in the- So when you tasted the Jameson versus the- Eighteen uh, year Jameson. The eighteen year Jameson is a same. completely different product. Right. I could I could barely taste the similarities. It was right, a which very is exactly smooth, how you uh, describe yes. the Jack Daniels Correct. differences. Yeah. Correct. It's very similar. Good. Good point. If you come across a Jameson eighteen year, try it if you can. It's delicious. The Middleton Rare is one of the best whiskeys I've ever had, and definitely the best Irish whiskey I've ever had. And at two hundred dollars a bottle, it should be. Is is the Middleton Rare the one that uh, that, yes. that guy at the lounge we tried had us taste? Yeah. yeah, you tried it that night. I kept calling it the seventeen year, but I don't think that's right. Well, it's not age verified because if you have a blended whiskey, you can only certify to the youngest whiskey that you use. Right. So Middleton is a blend between twelve and twenty year. They'd have to call it a twelve year, but it's far. Right. So they don't certify it at all. Right. They don't want to call it a twelve year. They just call it the got extra ones Middleton very rare, and people in the industry just know that it's. Very old Irish whiskey, and it's delicious. So of the four, that was your favorite? Absolutely. So what about the other one, the Yellow Spot? The Yellow Spot is my was my second favorite, actually. Really? Because even though it's 12-year compared to Jameson 18, and I will say the Jameson 18 was nice, the complexity of the flavor of the Yellow Spot was a lot more than the Jameson. It's hard to find the Yellow Spot. You see the Green Spot a lot in stores. Yeah, yeah. I saw the Green Spot today. We're looking for the uh, It's made the by the powers. same company. If you're not looking to jump into the Middleton Very Rare, which is Anywhere from 170 to 200 if you can find it on sale. The yeah. yellow spot is a is a nice uptick. Now, back to the two we're dealing with. I mean, my I mean, problem with Jameson is I see it crawl up to $35, $36 a bottle. And I have to tell you, that's too high for Jameson, in my opinion, when I can get powers for 37 for, 38 Right. So, uh, you know, we like to talk about uh, how best to spend your whiskey money. Even if Jameson was 30 and powers was 38 I would still go for the powers. Powers, to me, is absolutely more than $8 worth of uh, extra. Right. It's almost like we did our comparison between Buffalo Trace and Eagle Rare. Yeah. Which is the exact same spirit, only aged longer. Yeah. Yeah, this is the Irish equivalent of that. So, in that case, what we found that was interesting is that Buffalo Trace is like $31 and Eagle Rare is like $34. And we're like, well, in this case, we feel like... Each are $5 under price. $3 is like a no-brainer. Right. This is a little bit more of a difference, but like you said, you've seen Jameson for 35 You find Powers for 38 or 39 Yeah. Uh, that's a no-brainer too. Right. But I do want to give Jameson a little bit of a shout out. I feel like, you know, I said earlier, it was like the Black Album for Metallica. Just because it becomes popular doesn't mean that it's not good. The Black Album is a great album. And if you like if you like heavy metal music, you know what I'm talking about. Sad but true is the best, right. one of the best heavy metal songs. Right, and Jameson is a is a whiskey that has its own merits. It's a reason it's the most popular Irish whiskey in the world. You have to ask yourself: Is it just marketing? You know, we like to sit around and and and, and shit all over it, Scott and I. But what I drank a hell of a lot of, of Black Label Jack Daniels in my life. It has its own unique flavor. I might have gotten tired of it, but that doesn't mean it's not it's not good. It's still a fine Tennessee whiskey. And Jameson is a fine Irish whiskey. It has some some character and some complexity. It simply isn't as good as Powers, but that's okay. The reality is only three years old. For what they've done in three years, it's absolutely amazing. Agreed. I, I'm actually um, I'm very surprised by the outcome of uh, our comparison today because I, I really enjoyed the Jameson. I just like the Powers better. Without a doubt. And I think that's the point to everybody. The Powers is a hidden gem at under $40. 
And we feel that all Irish whiskeys are thinner than American bourbons anyway. Right. So, you know, going into it, I like to change the pace more than Scott. I drink Irish whiskeys way more than Scott. But yeah. But when I drag Scott along, he never complains. It's yeah. Like, oh no, Irish whiskey. Yeah. And I don't think it's a. I don't think it's fair to compare uh, an Irish whiskey to a bourbon because they're just different things. It's like, oh, I like apples and I like oranges. Correct. And it's part of the fun that if all I could drink was bourbon, it, it would be a sad world. Agreed. Well, I, I think maybe that's it. All right. Well, before we leave, I want to talk about something. Okay. You already went off on a tangent. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't really had a tangent. A forced tangent. Not a forced tangent. It's a tangent that needs to be we said. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a history You got a teacher. beef. I'm a, I've got a beef. You got a beef. And, and, and I have to tell you, it's a, it's a point that I think everybody's going to gonna lock in on because it's something that's very relevant. I'm a history teacher, as you know, and, and one of the greatest inventions in our history as human beings is the flushable toilet. Now, Scott, explain how the flushable toilet works in general. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. The one, in your, um, the one in your house. You have three. <laughs> yeah, I have an apartment. I have three toilets. He has, a, he has a two-bedroom apartment with three toilets. I love it. I really equate how many toilets you have to wealth and success. So if you have one toilet in your house, you, you need to do better, bro. Okay? And even if you live alone, like what if someone's over and they're in there and then you got to go and right. wait. I don't ever want to wait right. to go to the bathroom. Yeah. So I have three toilets in my house and I have a two-bedroom townhouse. A three-bedroom a three bedroom townhouse. And Scott has a two-bedroom apartment. He has three and I'm very impressed by that. Very impressed by well, that. Well, the, the, the uh, complex that I live in Every apartment has uh, at least uh, two. So at least two. At least two. So every apartment has a powder room as you enter your apartment and uh, one for every bedroom that you have. So nice. if I have a two-bedroom apartment, obviously I have three toilets. Um, the toilet, I mean, it's uh, it's there's no electronics Correct. to it. There's uh, it's, it's gravity. It's based on uh, gravity and physics and water pressure. And, uh, water pressure, exactly. Um, right now, yeah. So, so what's your problem? Well, my problem is in 2019, everything's fucked up, and here's why. All right, first of all, I'm in a restaurant, and and the other day, I'm trying to leave the bathroom. I want to wash my hands. I'm sticking my hands under the damn faucet. Enough has happened because I guess the restaurant was built over 10 years ago, and they have actually faucets. Right, so I'm like a dumbass sitting there with my hands under the thing. Nothing's happening. And everyone's looking at me like I'm a, like I'm an idiot. So then I'm like, oh great, it's, so it's you're expected to just yeah. Come because on I'm without... trained now, to like like a yeah. like a like a, a, a Pavlovian dog a to just stick my hands under the thing for a trickle of whatever amount of water they feel I deserve. A Pavlovian dog. How, wow, that's much more scientific than I thought. You were right. Doing. For and also how hot the water is. All right, so I I work at a school. No, you're not our, allowed to. You're not toilets, allowed to change that now. If we lose power, if we have a power outage, for, let's say a thunderstorm. Right. None of our toilets in the school flush. Right. We have fucked up the most simply, singly most brilliant invention of mankind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The gravity-driven, water pressure, flushable toilet, and now we've made them all with these motion sensor flushes. And by the way, that's the other thing. I'm sitting on the toilet. I'm minding my business. I'm doing my business. What happens when I reach for like some paper? Boom, I get a I get an inadvertent flush. Now I got all that water hitting my ass. Okay. <laughs> Why? I didn't want it to flush. It's supposed to save water. I actually like that. If it flushes three times. <laughs> to be honest. I like if, well. TBH. I, it's been increased me out a little bit because it's like toilet water from whoever's there before me. Well, that's also true. All right. I didn't think about that. So you got your, you got, you got like. But by the previous guy. Microscopic in front of me. urine yeah. on your ass at yeah, least. Maybe, maybe, maybe fecal matter. All right. No, actually toilets are a lot cleaner than like say uh, your desk or your keyboard. Or your phone, for that matter. Oh, I don't know. Well, I understand why you're fighting me on this right I'm now. I'm not fighting. You me. are. You're, you're being contrary. You're being like pro-flushable <laughs> toilet right now. I don't want you pro-flushable toilet. What I want is I've I been, want to control when the toilet flushes. I've been paying by the, the flushable, flushable toilet industry. Listen, 
I want to I want to control when I flush my toilet and when I wash my hands. I don't think that's any too much goddamn thing to ask somebody. I just, and I threw a random goddamn didn't even fit in the sentence. That's how mad I'm about it. All right, at, at my school, when I put my hand under the water, it's like this trickle of this little tiny, like a little miniature toilet elf is peeing on the back of my hand, <laughs> but not even that warm. And then it just stops. So I soak my hand up, I stick it under. What happens? Eight seconds later, it stops. And it wasn't enough water to wash off one finger, not even my middle finger. And now I got to come back out and trick it and come back in like I'm a new fucking person. Yeah. Like who? I'm yeah. a goddamn grown man tricking a fucking apparatus when for 50 years, all I do is turn the damn faucet on. I don't understand why everyone else is tolerating this. We have been trained to tolerate shit. We, we should simply say, no, this shit's not working. Fuck this. Fuck this. It's you, bullshit. You are out of control right no, now. I, no, I, I, I want to know why everyone else is rallying no, behind me. We should be in the streets with torches and pitchforks. I want my. I want to okay. flush the toilet when I want. I know. But I'm not done yet. And I want to turn the water on when I want. Is that too much for a person to ask? No. I work all week. No. <laughs> Can I flush my toilet without getting other people's urine on my ass? Is that too much to ask? If it is, we'll, we'll edit this later. But I'm simply saying. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say right now. No, I, I mean, I feel like this rant is worse than the one I made about the Girl Scouts. Well, it is because, I mean, the Girl Scout cookies are only come a couple months a year. This is every day of my work life. I got to deal with this. That's true. You know, and if the electricity goes out. Correct. Because, um, well, I mean, modern day, if electricity goes out, you can't get to the network. You can't do your files. You can't. But you can pee. I just. No, you can't even pee because we have the same thing. Exactly. We have automated uh, electronic toilets, electronic uh, soap dispensers. Right. They tell you it saves water. I don't see how it saves water if it's if it's false flushing two or three times. You, Anytime you, I'm on there, if I just re, if I just reach up to get I don't know I don't know a magazine even who knows what I'm doing? It's not what it's business. Why is yeah, the toilet reacting to me? I mean the, the power is out longer than twenty minutes when they send everybody home. Now, now if they turn the power back on ten minutes after that, well everybody's home. Listen, the only power I care about is the Irish whiskey. Power is Irish whiskey that we're drinking right now. As long as that's in, I'm good. That. Might be the most brilliant segue I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> Listen, all kidding aside, everybody, public service announced, why are we tolerating this? Why are we tolerating them not letting us wash our hands with hot water and soap? Why are we tolerating not controlling when we flush our toilet? We're, we're just we're just walking along like sheep getting sucked into this nightmare. All right, this is this is the first step before the robot apocalypse when we all no, get killed. No, that's not true. This yeah, is I the first step of the robot apocalypse. Just, that's just an exaggeration. You're just like, well, we'll see. Not that the robot apocalypse is not going to happen because right. it will. It will. And, and but flushable toilets is this? It's it's just a way to irritate us until they kill us all. Until flushable toilets have an AI behind them, an artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. That's when. That's where Alexa comes. That's in. when the singularity happens. Alexa's going to rally. Them Alexa, all. please flush the toilet. Alexa. Stop flushing my toilet. No, I will not. And oh. that's when the revolution starts. <laughs> Alexa, why are you flushing the toilet? I haven't. I'm not done yet, Alexa. I want your ass to taste the urine of the person in front of you. <laughs> All right. That will definitely be cut out. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're taking that. That's fucking gold. <laughs> that is gold comedy right there. So to sum up this nightmare of an of a ending, um, <laughs> Jameson is better than you think it is. And better than the reputation I think that it gets. It Agreed. better. Agreed. But if you like Irish whiskeys and you don't want to spend 60, 80, or 180 for a Middleton Rare. And say you've never heard of Powers. Go find a Powers, drink it, and enjoy it. 
All right. Thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic day and uh, enjoy one on us. Until we talk again, be well. See you next time. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, be sure to check out our next episode, which is way better than this one. Oh, yeah. Also, follow and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash whiskey tangent and follow us on Twitter at whiskey tangent. You can follow me personally at that whiskey guy and follow Scott at giant cup of awesome spelled A-W-S-U-M just to be annoying. Hey. You can email us any questions, comments, or love at whiskeytangent at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us always at our podcast website, whiskeytangent.podbean.com.